The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Is your organization a talent magnet? Is your culture the envy of the business market? Top organizations need top leaders. Make sure that you are that leader. This show will ensure that you are. Welcome to I Lead the Leadership Connection with Dr. Linda Sharkey. Leaders today are more than just results. They are about creating legacies of great people, driving winning organizations, and raising the bar for themselves and that of their teams. Now, here is your host, Dr. Linda Sharkey. Welcome. I'm Linda Sharkey. This is I Lead the Leadership Connection. Thanks for joining me today. I'm very excited about today's show. It's not something I usually do, but I went back over my old shows and picked out three of the best-selling authors or three of my best-selling authors who had a great discussion that I think have wonderful insight into what the future is going to hold for the world of work. This is a big topic for me. I've been thinking about it a lot. And we're going to be discussing it today. And I think the insights that you're going to hear are going to help us as we prepare for next year. So it's always a good idea. One of the things I do every year, I know it sounds crazy, but I got it from a uh, friend of mine a long time ago, and I've always done it. My husband and I get together every year, and we reflect on the year against the goals that we set for ourselves. Did we do them? If we didn't, why didn't we? You know, what were we really excited about? And then we talk about what do we want next year to look like? And so this show is sort of a mini, well, a bigger version than that. What do we want next year to look like from a world of work perspective and next year and beyond? So today I have Jason Jennings, best-selling author, author of The High Speed Company. And he, he's... Written other national bestsellers, The Reinventors, The Think Big, Act Small. I asked Jason to join because I think he can give us a really good perspective on what he sees on the horizon from an organizational point of view. What changes he sees? What are some of the things that uh, we, we may be surprises for us or ahas that we haven't or will need to adjust to? And then I have Morag Barrett. Another great best-selling author, international speaker, world-renowned consultant, uh, wrote the book Cultivate. And 
really her focus is on relationships, people, and organizational culture. Another key aspect of any constructive, healthy, sustainable organization, its culture and its people. And so I think Marag is going to be able to give us some great insights on what she sees around relationships and how people work together and what's changing. And then the third person is Corey Kogan. And I'm excited to have Corey. She wrote another phenomenal book that's just doing really, really well. And actually, Corey, you did an encore for me, as did you, Marag, which was wonderful. It came on again. Uh, the Five Choices, The Path to Extraordinary Productivity. And why I like this book so much is that Corey offers some very practical tips and tools to help tackle some of the things that she sees coming down the pike as we hone our personal leadership skills. So I think it's going to be a really fun and uh, great show. Um, Let's jump right in. Thanks, guys, for being with me today. I really appreciate you taking the time to join the show. Uh, Linda, great being back with you. That's super. It's so super to have you, Jason. And I'm so glad I was lucky to get all three of you available, which was really terrific. So let me start with you, uh, Jason. Uh, from your point of view, what do you see as the big, uh, the biggest issues that are going to be emerging for future workplaces from an org design or a velocity point of view or a high-speed point of view? Yeah, well, Linda, thanks. It is great to be back with you. You always ask such incredible spot-on questions. Um, I, I just want to begin by saying my my insights aren't worth very much, but let me tell you uh, what I do bring to the table. Uh, every year, preparing for 60 to 80 speeches, uh, the conditions of any speech I do are I'm going to spend an hour and a half with the CEO, and I'm going to conduct interviews with 10 other key leaders, executives within the company. That means that basically each year I'm, I'm interviewing, I'm speaking to roughly 1,000 people. That's in addition to research for books. And one of the questions I ask is, uh, what goes bump in the night? What keeps you awake at night? Uh, what are the potential stumbling blocks, roadblocks that could prevent you from achieving your full economic potential? As recently as this morning, I had six of these interviews. Uh, yesterday, I had, was up at 4 o'clock in the morning, California time, conducting a half dozen of these interviews in the Middle East. And, and Linda, what I'm hearing from everyone at this point in time, everyone, is people. Um, it's, it's, it's attracting people, yeah. it's engaging people, and it is keeping people. And unfortunately, business has a very bad track record. There are, in the U.S. economy, 123 million jobs. Uh, however, uh, and th- th- that's an interesting number, because number one, millennials make up 100 million of, of those 123 million job keepers and job holders. But the amazing number to me is that, according to every study you see, every month 2.5 million people leave their jobs in search of a better tomorrow, advancement, uh, promotion, more money. Well, 2.5 million a month doesn't sound like much, but that's 30 million a year. Basically, in the United States, uh, every company has got turnover or churn of people uh, of about 20 to 25%. That is deadly for productivity. And so I think the number one thing on the horizon is people are suddenly the single most important thing, and they will be the most important thing, attracting, engaging, 
and keeping them. Uh, unless a CEO or a leader is on top of that, their head is buried in the sand someplace. Yeah, I, I just think that's a great observation. I think that's really true. Marag, you, you deal so much with organizational culture. What's, what's your take on that? Well, I'd have to agree. And it's it's not only the how do you attract and keep them, it's that de- development time bomb that a lot of my clients are struggling with. So we've been talking for nearly a decade now about how the baby boomers are all going to be retiring and then recession hit, and they didn't. And so what that allowed many of my clients to do and uh, many organizations as I watch the, the press and the news is to essentially stick their head back in the sand and deny that this was a, a challenge that had to be reviewed. Because certainly when I started in, in the workforce, you had several years of essentially an apprenticeship. It may not have been called that, but years of experience before you got promoted to being a line manager or promoted to a middle manager or promoted to run parts of the business. And with the current workforce demographics, what I'm seeing is if those baby boomers or when those baby boomers leave, it's not if, when they do, um, the time to productivity, the time to train and upskill the next generation of leaders is much shorter and the time is now. And so many of my clients are struggling with how do you accelerate what might have in the olden days been many years of experience into one that is going to be much shorter. Yeah, that's a great question. I, I just want to explore that with you a little bit. Um, what do you see as the training methods going forward? Well, what we're doing in the design of our programs is moving whilst face-to-face is critical. I think when you're learning um, behavioral skills and how to work with others, whilst online curriculum has its place, it can give you the words and the, and the frameworks to use. Nothing beats actually practicing with other live human beings and being able to see the whites of their eyes and learning together. And that does two things. One is it means I'm actually applying the learning, but I'm also building relationships with my colleagues with whom I'm going to be working in the next few years, whether as a colleague or as a boss or as a team member. So these classroom-based events, these programmatic-based solutions still have a vital part to play. But what we're building into them versus them being a one and done, you turn up and you're miraculously cured and you now know everything you need to know about leadership and management, our more forward-looking clients and organizations are building programs that span months where you will come along, you'll have an immersive experience, but then you go back into the real world and you apply it. And then when you return to the classroom with your cohort, you're sharing how you applied it, what's the impact being, and then we're adding to the toolkit. But we're doing it in a controlled way rather than the fire hose approach, which unfortunately that latter fire hose invariably just results in a a very big ring binder that then sits on somebody's desk or becomes a doorstop, but doesn't actually then translate into new behavior in the workplace. Mara, great great insight. Corey, what, what are you seeing out there? So I think it's, you know, all of the above, um, and even just trying to get to a little root cause around it, uh, it's always about the people, it's always about the culture, and this shift uh, around thinking differently about people, um, and that this shift from you can't measure 
you know, productivity and, and culture by widgets, number of widgets, it really is their head and their heart. And so un- until leaders really understand that and embrace that behavior change, that mindset and behavior change, I think that is going to slam into Jason's numbers of people, etc. you know, how, how it, he distilled it to that, um, you know, un- until people really get it around we need to treat people differently, we need to invite them to bring their best to their work, and when you talk about the new world of work, it's going to be as flexible as it's ever been and beyond, and unless people really want to engage, they don't have to. So leaders have to figure out how to pull that trigger, and it's not by traditional methods. So I see all of that in a very big collision over the next few years if systems don't change around how we even think about leadership and productivity. Yeah, it's kind of like the perfect storm, and we're being turned on our heads with the perfect storm, and we may or may not survive it unless we think differently. We're at break. Stay with us. We're talking to Corey Kogan, Morag Barrett, and Jason Jennings. And we're talking about what are the things we're going to have to think about for the future. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. If you have a loved one that is undergoing treatment for substance abuse or mental illness, you owe it to them and yourself to tune in to One Hour at a Time with host Mary Woods. This compassionate and educational talk show will help you help those that you love by better understanding their condition and their personal recovery process. Tune in every Monday at 12 noon Pacific time to One Hour at a Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Recovery begins this hour. Dr. Linda Sharkey promotes fact-based solutions for global organizations and leaders that are known to drive business success. Do you want to put the wow in your talent practices? How about a spring in your leadership approaches? Coaching and leadership development are proven methods that, if done right, really do make good leaders great. If you want a no-nonsense, practical approach that will enable you to compete anywhere in the world with measurable results, contact Linda today. Visit lindasharkey.com. Again, that's lindasharkey.com. Game-changing technologies and strategies are transformational, exciting, and disruptive for a reason. They shake up your status quo. They get you thinking about new ways to scale, compete, and grow. They move you in amazing new directions. You're invited to take your coffee break with Game Changers on Wednesdays, 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time for our special series on game-changing HR leaders. Learn how you can become the savvy leader who takes your company across the finish line as you look ahead to the next wave of business innovation. Game-Changing HR Leaders, presented by SAP and America's SAP Users Group. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to I Lead, the Leadership Connection. To speak to Dr. Linda Sharkey or her guest, please call in to one 866 472 5790. 
That's 1-866-472-5790. Or you can tweet the show at hashtag ILEADTLC. We'd also love to hear from you by email. The email address is radio at lindasharkey.com. Now, back to ILEAD, the Leadership Connection. Welcome back. I'm Linda Sharkey, and I'm talking to Corey Kogan, Marag Barrett, and Jason Jennings, all three best-selling authors. So excited to have them. And we're talking about predictions. What do they see going forward? And I was talking just before break with uh, Corey, and she was talking about really seeing, you know, like the perfect storm, the the collisions of systems, and uh, a major attitudinal shift. Corey, tell me a little bit about the attitudinal shift that you see. Well, you know, um, there's two, really. One is for... The workforce today, tomorrow, 20 years from now, to be productive, it, you, you have, I, I know it, it almost sounds too easy, right? But you, you, a leader, leadership, and each other, peers, need to look at each other as human beings. You need to see the human there, not the expense of somebody on payroll, which is almost machine-like. And the best leaders in the world do that. They intentionally, they can see people in front of them, think about how they feel, uh, think about what their talents are, what their potential is, what contribution they want to make. And they they know how to have tough conversations, too. But, um, you know, unless that that is the attitude of people in the new world of work, that it is people, how do we get the best out of them? Because what I said earlier, in the old days, it was easy. You know, you had a person who was supposed to do 10 widgets an hour, and if they did nine, you found somebody else to do 10. It was that easy in the assembly line days. And we have totally shifted into more of a knowledge work, worker kind of environment where people are paid to think, innovate, create, and execute, use their brain, not so much their hands and back. It's the optimization of mental labor, not manual labor, and that's the attitude shift that we have to, how do we optimize the brain, the heart, etc., to get the best results out of them. The other thing that we see, and particularly organizations that are open in buff physical plant and can work from anywhere, is they, they really need systems of knowing what's important and what's not. Because every human being makes assumptions. So even when you have a clear goal and all the pieces and parts that go to it, it's usu- there's usually assumptions made about what that looks like or what the project end result might be without a perfect scope, that, that kind of thing. But even getting an email from a boss and and going, oh, gosh, I need to get that in right now. Well, maybe you didn't, but we assume we do. So having a structure, and for us, and in the book, the t- you know, the time matrix, a matrix, using the word urgent and important, putting t- that together, making that a language and a methodology. Is it a quadrant one? Is it necessary to do now? Is it a quadrant three? Is it just a distraction? Is it quadrant four? It's excessive. I'm, I'm just wasting time. Or is it quadrant two? This is our really important work, and I need to do a really good job of, at that. And when I use that as my own accountability system, and leadership uses that as an organizational measurable system, now you have something that worldwide, wherever the workers are, everybody's on the same page. And when everybody knows what's important and what's not, they have a chance of winning. People like to win, and that means they'll get up the next day wherever they were and want to do it again and do it even better. 
Hopefully, yes. But I totally agree with you. Jason, you know, that it, it strikes me um, as Corey is talking about, you know, urgency, importance, speed. Um, you know, I think we're sort of misconstruing that a little bit. You know, when we talk about it, things are moving fast. There's no question about it. But when you talk about the high-speed company, what are you really talking about? It's not necessarily, you know, doing everything in, 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 in a nanosecond. Uh, no, in fact, it's uh, in, in fact it's absolutely not that at all. Uh, if, if you're just moving fast for the sake of moving fast, you'll very often careen out of control. Uh, speed is solving problems the first time, rather than revisiting them again and again. It's it's learning how to keep good customers from defecting because then they've always got to be replaced. It's empowering the 70% of employees who say they're not engaged or actively disengaged per Gallup's State of the American Workplace Report 2013. It's allowing people to admit mistakes rather than covering them up. It's encouraging people to improvise. It's reducing resistance to new ideas. When you do those things, then you truly have a culture of urgency and speed. But it's not just wildly careening out of control or speed for the sake of speed. Yeah, and you know, it strikes me in what you're talking about, you know, there's some integrity issues in there, don't you think? Well, of, of, of course there are, and uh, one of the things that we found, and, and we identified in truly high-speed companies that have cultures of urgency and growth, is they all have five or six guiding principles. And I know it became very popular for most companies to create this list of guiding principles or guiding values starting about a decade ago. The problem is, as I prove over and over and over again, people don't know them. And so, of course, it's, an exer- it's a kumbaya exercise in futility to have guiding principles without everyone knowing them. Because what the guiding principles provide for an organization are, are, are really a moral compass, and they allow decisions to be moved further and further down in the organization. And the time to discuss the guiding principles and values of an organization are not once you've wasted tons of time screening people and interviewing people, bringing them on board, and as part of an orientation saying, oh, by the way, here are six or seven guiding principles. You should know them and memorize them. The time to talk about the guiding principles and values is from the very, very first conversation. You, you, you don't want to have anybody working for you who's not aligned with, with the guiding values and principles. So, of course, every organization has to have a moral compass. That comes from having, having a set of guiding principles or values, and unfortunately, most companies proclaim that they do. In, in reality and in practice, it's a minute percentage of companies where the people actually know what the guiding principles and values are. Uh, but uh, to, to finish the response, I, I just need to uh, pause for a moment and say this. I'm, I'm just honored to be on, uh, on this panel discussion with these two very insightful women who just have made such powerful observations so far. I'm just uh, delighted to be the guy who gets to be a part of it. <laughs> well, we thought we'd at least have a little diversity on the show. I think that's great. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) little opposite tick here. But, you know, I I love that thought because guiding principles, everybody's got them. You're absolutely right, Jason. But when you really scratch the surface, do they live those guiding principles? And you would have to say you wouldn't have a Volkswagen situation and you wouldn't have a GM situation if they really lived their guiding principles. And I'm sure they've got them. Somewhere hanging in those big places. Yes, and it was just a futile exercise, a feel-good exercise, 
and 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 that's all it was yep. for, for most companies. And and that has to change. And I will tell you this: when when we've identified truly high performing, high speed companies, everyone in the organization knows the guiding principles and values, and is empowered to make decisions in accordance with those. We call them the rules of the road. And every human organization that has ever withstood the test of time has a, a set of rules of the road. Yeah, absolutely. That's like the map of how you get there. It's a very excellent point. So, Barack, I know you have some stuff to say about this. <laughs> what are your thoughts? Well, I was... Yeah, I was listening to both of them and also thinking about my two 17-year-old boys who are getting ready to go off to university and become adults. And what struck me about them is that they show how we're still at that tipping point because I have one who is very clear on what he wants to be. I want to be an aerospace engineer is his answer. And for the other... As good as, as he is and he excels in science and math, etc., he doesn't know. And for me, it's another signpost of how careers and work are changing from what do you want to be when you grow up to what problems do you want to solve? And then when I think about Jason's comment about speed and the need to have those rules of the road... Um, being able to articulate not only the, for example, integrity. It seems like every company has integrity as a corporate value. And I'm right. thinking, well, do you really need to say that one out loud? But then you right. look at the Enrons and you look at some of the other things, and maybe you do. But it's how do you convert that into behaviors so we know what that looks and feels like? Yeah. Because then to Corey's point, when we're working globally, my definition of being disruptive may be very different coming from the UK than it might be from somebody who's come up in a different national culture and a different environment. And so we actually have to get more specific about how we're going to work together in the, in the workplace of the future versus leaving it to choice. And my last thought, I was working with a technology team last, uh, last month, and my phrase to them was, you may not have the culture that you want, but you get the culture you deserve. Here, here. If you're not paying attention, if you're not being deliberate, um, you're not going to get the culture you need in order to be successful in the future. So those were yeah, my three little points that uh, I was picking up as I listened to Corey and Jason. Yeah, I, I think that's absolutely so true. You get the culture you deserve. And that leads us, mm-hmm. after break, we're going to talk a little bit about culture. Um, because it's such an important aspect of any organization. So stay with us. We're talking to Jason Jennings, Morag Barrett, and Corey Kogan, uh, best-selling authors, talking about their insights of the workplace of the future. America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Dr. Linda Sharkey promotes fact-based solutions for global organizations and leaders that are known to drive business success. Do you want to put the wow in your talent practices? 
How about a spring in your leadership approaches? Coaching and leadership development are proven methods that, if done right, really do make good leaders great. If you want a no-nonsense, practical approach that will enable you to compete anywhere in the world with measurable results, contact Linda today. Visit lindasharkey.com. Again, that's lindasharkey.com. Are you ready to be the change you wish to be? Live with passion. On Success Inside, host Aparna will share some of the world's best ideas from today's thought leaders. You'll hear success stories from around the world. Guests include inspiring authors, world leaders, spiritual leaders, and successful entrepreneurs. It's time to live the life of your dreams. Listen for Success Inside, airing live every Saturday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time and 12 noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Does your organization lack proper leadership? We're not necessarily talking about experience, but about how to face the changing dynamic of leadership today. Sometimes the people we lead know more, old ways don't work anymore, and the comfort zone just becomes too easy. Listen for Out of the Comfort Zone with Dr. Wanda Wallace. We'll show you how you can adapt and develop your leadership skills to today's workplace every Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Business. Does your organization lack proper leadership? We're not necessarily talking about experience, but about how to face the changing dynamic of leadership today. Sometimes the people we lead know more. Old ways don't work anymore, and the comfort zone just becomes too easy. Listen for Out of the Comfort Zone with Dr. Wanda Wallace. We'll show you how you can adapt and develop your leadership skills to today's workplace every Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Business. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. tuned in to I Lead, The Leadership Connection. To speak to Dr. Linda Sharkey or her guest, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or you can tweet the show at hashtag ILEADTLC. We'd also love to hear from you by email. The email address is radio at lindasharkey.com. Now, Back to I Lead, the Leadership Connection. Welcome back. I'm talking with Corey Kogan, Jason Jennings, and Morag Barrett, all best-selling authors. And we're talking about the future of work. And when we were at break, I, I was we were just discussing organization designs that are emerging uh, from the first from the workplaces. And we were talking about the importance of power of uh, guiding principles, really using guiding principles and and uh, being very clear about 
what you mean by things and what problems that you really want to solve and being specific around how you're going to do things as people are in different cultures in different parts of the world. So what do you see, Marag, as from your point of view, as how the workplaces are going to be shaped or not shaped going forward? Well, I think, I think there are two parts of that question. There's the where work gets done and then the who. And the where is twofold. It's the move towards a more flexible workforce, more independent contractors who are coming in for a specific project or a specific period of time. That changes the organizational dynamics of how do you build teams, how do you hire and retain staff, where it's no longer an expectation that you're joining for the long term or even for life. And then the second part of the where work gets done is the premises. I'm seeing a move to more open plan offices, something I'm familiar with from the UK, but is relatively new to Cubeland here in the US, but much more bright, inviting premises where employees want to be, not where they need to be. And again, that's a huge mental shift as yeah. to where work gets done. So I think those are the, the, the critical piece and the who, again, overlaps with that flexible, independent worker versus employee worker that we have been used to for so many decades and years to date. Yeah. You know, it's so interesting. I, I, I'm sure you've been to the Unilever headquarters in London, and it is a, such an inviting, open, wonderful space. They've mm-hmm. done a great job on all of that, and I love it. I also noticed um, that companies like GE are experimenting with much flatter hierarchies, taking out mm-hmm. tons of layers, much less uh, leadership positions. In fact, there have been several Harvard articles out there kind of saying, you know, leadership isn't all that it's cracked up to be. Jason, do you have any thoughts about that? Well, I do, uh, and I certainly agree with Morag about who's doing the work and where they're doing the work uh, is, is going to come under uh, tr- tremendous change. I'm, I'm very, very excited about it. But, but I, I, I guess the, my, my two cents that I would like to put in here is you have to ask yourself, uh, what is going to bring all of, the, all of these people working in different locations in different ways, wearing different clothes with different skills and talents, being there for a long time, being there for a short time, what's going to bring them all together? And I'll do it very, very quickly, but I think I told you this story the last time we spoke. I was in Chicago. I was at the Waldorf Astoria, had to get to the Park Hyatt Hotel, and, and this is probably an interesting comment for one of Morag's sons as well. And uh, I said, I need a taxi. And they said, no, no, we've got a car to bring you over. And, and Alexis pulled up, and this young, strapping, good-looking, uh, lots of white-teeth smile guy gives me a firm handshake. And he said, good afternoon, Mr. Jennings. I'm going to bring you over to the park. I had to push my bag in the, in, the, in the trunk, and I get in the back seat, and I'm, I'm looking at him in the rearview mirror. And he catches me looking at him, and he said, I know what you're wondering about. And I said, what's that? He said, you're wondering what an obviously very bright, handsome guy with a great personality like me is doing driving a car for $12 an hour. And I said, yeah. No ego with this guy, right? Yeah, and I said, I am wondering about that. And I said, did you go to school? He said, yes. I said, where? Northwestern. I said, what do you study? He said, business. I said, how'd you do? He said, I was number three in my class. And I said, well, now that I redouble the question, what in the world are you doing driving a car? And he said, look, since I got out of school, I've had 14 interviews, I've had 12 offers, and I turned them all down. Well, I come from a generation where I was never able to turn anything down. And yeah. I said, why? 
I said, why? Right. And he said, two reasons. Number one, none of these companies were doing anything important that was going to make the world a better place. And secondly, in all of these companies, I knew I would be nameless to the suits at the top for the first five to seven years. I was there, and I'm not planning on being any place for five to seven years. So what that brings us to is this, and I think all three of us would agree on this, truly great leaders, truly great companies, the way they align people is with a sense of purpose. Not a vision, mm-hmm. not a mission. They all share having a sense of purpose about doing well by doing good. And that's the glue that's going to tie together people working in locations all over the globe, some in their pajamas, some in their flip-flops, and some in suits. What is, you're not going to have a culture unless it begins with what is our purpose? What are we trying to do? How are we trying to make the world a better place? How does what we're doing truly have significance? Yeah, you know, I love that, Jason, because, you know, I was interviewing another guy, uh, uh, Jared uh, Kleiner, and he wrote the book uh, $20 Under 20, and I, I thought the book originally was about gosh, how did this guy as a young pup make 20 billion under 20? But he was talking about 20 billion people under 20. And that was the one big thing he emphasized was, you know, I don't want to work somewhere where I'm just getting a process and tweaking it and making it better and so it goes faster. I want to work somewhere where we're doing something good, where we're tackling big problems and we're changing the world for the better for society. It sounds altruistic, but I think that there are a lot of people that feel that way. And, you know, that leads me to you, Corey, because I think that matrix helps people that you were talking about look at what are your priorities and what are what is your purpose and how do you align yourself around that? Thoughts on that? Well, the thing too, Corey? Jason, and, you know, we, we say the words, uh, you know, purpose, and then you, you have to make it real. And I could already hear, I don't know Jason very well, but I could already hear him just, resp- you know, just respond to driving that in, sort of like you said before about principles, guiding principles are useless, unless you actually behave them. And Mark said the same thing. And, um, and by the way, it's a neurological absolute. You know, talked to Adam, Dr. Adam Grant and Daniel Pink, and, uh, you know, purpose drives productivity. And I think the younger people are more driven by purpose because... We are, we are working in a more human way. We're using our brains and our hearts, not our hands and our back, where we don't think. So just the fact that the brain is working, it requires purpose and targets to be able to do good work. So if you have that, then you are able to say, my quadrant two, what's most important to me that serves that purpose? And, and again, it goes back to the brain. Every human being around the world requires clear targets. So if I get clear on what my personal purposes, even in my roles, as we do in the five choices, right? So my own roles right now in life, um, as a practice leader, as a mother, as a friend, that every decision I make throughout the day is going to cut through the noise because I'm always going to be attached to what's most important to me in my life right now, which is really what my values and purpose are. So if I use that system of, hey, those are the quadrant twos, and I'm going to really minimize the crises, and I'm going to minimize the distractions the best I can, and I'm going to get rid of some of the stuff where I'm just I'm burnt out, so I'm wasting time, I, you know, I'm very conscious of all of that, then everybody really has a chance of doing great work, and the leadership needs to behave that first. 
Yeah, well, behavior is a, is a key thing. You know, here's what I worry about, about purpose. You know, like you said it earlier, Jason, and I think, Morag, you mentioned it too. You know, everybody started having mission and vision because that was in, you know, the strategy books and you had to have a vision for stretch and you had a mission to say what you, you know, what business you're in and then you had to have values or guiding principles underneath. And it became, you know, just another bunch of pap that organizations did because, oh, well, we're supposed to have it. Right. How do we guard against that with purpose? Anybody? Ask again. I, I didn't quite understand the question. How do we guard against companies just defining well, purposes and purpose statements because they think that's what they have to do, but who don't live them? Well, I will be very brief and, and, and say this, and I think both Morag and Corey have, have alluded to this or actually used the words. And... Uh, you know, all of my work is, is really research-based. All of my books are research-based. But uh, at the end of the day, truly great leaders today allow their head to meet their heart. And it's about 50% head and about 50% heart and a complete sense of authenticity. And young people today, millennials today, in fact, all of us today, have really good bullshit meters. I mean, we really do. <laughs> and it's all about being authentic with our purpose, with our values, uh, with, with our measurements, uh, with, with our desire to have everyone working with us do well. Great leaders are truly involved in the prosperity planning of all of their people. Yeah. I, you know, I love the, 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 the bullshit meter. I think you're absolutely right. We all had it. I mean, we all had it years ago, but none of us felt had the courage, I think, a lot of times to address it. Morag, last word on this topic before we go to break? Yeah, well, I think Jason's story from Chicago sums it up nicely, purpose. And for me, the biggest change that at the moment we're in denial about is education and the education system. Because up until now, it's been you need to go to university, you need to have a degree in order to get a good job. It's knowledge for knowledge's sake. And whilst I want my brain surgeons to have years of training, I'm not sure that for many jobs who require a bachelor's degree that that actually is required. So with the internet and access to information at the fingertips it will be learning because we want to learn learning is crucial for us to continue to evolve in our careers etc but school is something that we choose to do uh, and again it goes back to that passion so i think that's the other big yeah. demographic or a big change that we're going to see happening in the next few decades years yeah i totally agree with you i absolutely agree with you uh, we're taking a break. Stay with us. We're talking to Marag Barrett, Jason Jennings, and Corey Kogan. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Dr. Linda Sharkey promotes fact-based solutions for global organizations and leaders that are known to drive business success. Do you want to put the wow in your talent practices? How about a spring in your leadership approaches? Coaching and leadership development are proven methods that, if done right, really do make good leaders great. If you want a no-nonsense, practical approach that will enable you to compete anywhere in the world with measurable results, contact Linda today. 
visit lindasharkey.com. Again, that's lindasharkey.com. Effective leadership is what will propel the world, organizations, and businesses through a range of dynamic changes. How do you keep up with these changes, build skills, and lead effectively? Listen for Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations with Maureen Metcalf. Maureen offers tools and engaging guests who are leaders in their field. With each week, you'll work on and improve your skills to lead with confidence and drive your organization's success. Tune in every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Business. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. You are tuned in to I Lead, the Leadership Connection. To speak to Dr. Linda Sharkey or her guest, please call in to 1 866 472 5790. That's 1 866 472 5790. Or you can tweet the show at hashtag I Lead TLC. We'd also love to hear from you by email. The email address is radio at lindasharkey.com. Now, back to I Lead, the Leadership Connection. Welcome back. I'm talking to Jason Jennings, Corey Kogan, and Murad Barrett. And we're having a very lively discussion about what we see going on in the workplace that we're all going to have to address, we're going to need to think about, and what are some of the changes coming down the pike. So I'm going to end the show with... uh, Two questions for each one of you. Mariah, I'm going to start with you. Um, what is your one big insight that you see coming in the, to the world of work over the next few years? What's what's the one big, you know, change, game changer out there that you see? So the, the first to me then will be that focus on how do you build a sense of team and build, cultivate winning relationships with your colleagues who may be working in a different country, uh, maybe popping up on this project and then disappearing and working on a different one, and being much more deliberate and thoughtful around professional relationships and how they make or break corporate team and career success every single day. Yeah, that's great. And I do think that that is going to be one big, huge change because people are not going to be co-located at all like they are and people are going to move in and out of pods of you know problem solving yep. and, and and working on issues and then move on to others so it's not going to have the same kind of structure that we see today at all Marat, what radical innovation do you see what one radical innovation do you see coming forward the innovation um it's not necessarily a thing it's a mindset and it's that flexibility that work um, it's no longer nine to five. It's flexibility to work any time. It's uh, no longer work in a corporate office. It's the flexibility to work anywhere. And it's no longer the employee. It's the flexibility to work with anyone. So flexibility is the big innovation that I see coming. Wow, I love that. Great, great insight. 
Okay, Jason, your thoughts. Yes. Uh, well, this, what, one, what is, uh, this one is going to fly in the face of conventional wisdom uh, because it I goes against that. everything almost every leader has ever been taught. Uh, every leader has been taught, keep your cards close to your vest. Uh, the little people don't need to know this. You know, if people know we're doing really well, they're all going to want more money. However, the big one, I think, is this. Knowledge is no longer power. Execution is power. There was a time, not that many years ago, when a privileged few had access to knowledge, and they could act on that knowledge. But a decade ago, when I did a search on a senator from Michigan on the, in the early days of Intellius. And for $10, it came back with his children's Social Security numbers, the property he owns, the jobs he had held. I had the whole story. I thought this is the game changer. The young kid in Bangladesh with access to a computer is going to have this access to the same knowledge. So knowledge is no longer power. Execution is power. The way you have flawless execution is you've got to give all the knowledge to all the people, and I also believe uh, once you give all the knowledge to all the people, it's going to be so transparent for you, uh, transparent and available, it's going to be on your phone. Uh, our jobs are going to be done on our phones and on our tablets. It's an exciting time. Yeah, and, and uh, you know, I love the point about transparency because people, you know, people can see immediately what's going on. They can see the disparity in the workplace. They can see that the, 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 the salary uh, inequities and all these other kinds of things, and uh, you know that shapes how people think about stuff. And there's so a whole what's generation. Your radical- yeah, yep. There's a whole generation of older leaders uh, who are going to come yeah. to this. A wail- there's going to be much wailing and gnashing of teeth, or they're not going to make of it. Teeth. Transparency is where it's at. Right. I I agree with you. And and Jason, one radical innovation you see. I think it's, it's, it's everything being wherever we want it to be on our phones and our tablets. I, uh, to me, I, I have probably 200 apps right now on my phone and my tablets, and it is just an absolute life changer. Things that we can't even imagine. That's how yeah. we're going to access the information. That's how we're going to act on the information. That's how we're going to get our work done. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And I, I also agree with you. It's a very exciting time. A little scary. Uh, a lot of things are being turned on their head, but it's it's thrilling, I think. I totally agree with you. Corey, last but not least, your thoughts? So, um, taking a little bit from everything we've heard, you know, the insight really is around behavior change. That is, that, it's, that is an absolute requirement. So, if you take what Jason was saying about knowledge and Marag was saying about learning earlier and different modalities about learning, if somebody just has a lot of knowledge, but we're not converting that into energy, into behavior change, and I'll give you a, a real target around that, I think the insight, and it's almost the innovation, but I've got one of those too, is that the real focus has to be on sharing and collaboration. And there's an organization, global, uh, you know, uh, IT organization, everybody would know and love, where they are in the new world of work, and we were partnered with them to help them through that. And part of their performance appraisal system was not on output as much as it was weighted towards sharing and collaboration because they're everywhere. And I thought that's really amazing. So behavior change to sharing and collaboration is both an insight and an innovation. 
that I think is really key for leaders and workforces to understand and really move forward with, really be a game changer. The innovation, I'm going to borrow from one of my colleagues at Franklin Covey, is really, and, and, and from Jason here as well, be to trust. Trust to us is measurable, it's palatable, it's a learning competency, it's an economic driver. And so when you talk about purpose and authenticity and all of that, I couldn't help but have that come to mind, and we know it from our work, that when organizations, starting with the leadership, install operating systems of trust, which is behavior-based, Stephen Covey used to say you can't talk yourself out of something you behaved yourself into. You can only behave yourself out of it. It's all about the behavior. And so really the innovation is those organizations that are cultures of trust and then sharing and collaboration, now you're talking about a 21st century workforce and winning culture. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree with you more. You know, I, I have to tell you, that, and most people wouldn't believe this, but, you know, GE, that I worked there for a lot of years, was a place where, you know, they never checked, uh, at least the businesses that I worked in. You know, you put in your own vacation, you put in your own expense reports, you know, you put in your own sick time, and they never, you know, they, they trusted you to do what was mm-hmm. right, you know. <laughs> and, you know, most people did because eh, it was... Not you know it was the right thing to do. It's it's an it's a, it's an excellent point. I used to talk about trust thirty years ago, and people look at me cross crossways. Well, thank you very much, everybody. This was a great discussion. Um, two seconds for last word from anyone. Jason, a last word. Uh, the last word is I guess you've already said it, but this morning uh, and yesterday as I sat here conducting interviews with leading business executives in the Middle East, in Saudi Arabia, and Dubai, and today in Southern California, and New York, and three days ago with uh, pharmaceutical executives in Asia. I was struck by everybody always wants to talk about cultural differences. And, uh, you know, there may be some cultural differences because I think they're small, but I think what I do allows me to every day understand that what really ties everybody together is everybody is looking for a better tomorrow than today. And that is truly universal, whether you're the CEO of a waste management company in Saudi Arabia or a pharmaceutical company in Singapore or an engineering company in Southern California. When you scrape away uh, and you get down to the marrow, uh, we're all the same, uh, regardless of the culture we're in. We all want to do the same thing. You know, people are basically good, and they want to do the right thing, and it's up to great leaders to allow them the space and the environment to do that. Absolutely, and I'm going to take the last word here, too, because I just love what you just said. I loved what you all said. But the fact of the matter is all the research that we've done about organizational cultures and is that people, no matter where they are in the world, and we have a database of thousands and hundreds of thousands of people who have taken a, a, a valid and reliable test on this, and people, no matter where they are in the world, want the same things out of life and work. Yep. Now, it may look different in Japan than it looks somewhere else, but they want the same thing. So thank you guys so much for being on the show. I just so appreciate it, and uh, we will talk soon again, I'm sure. So stay with us next week. Uh, I'm doing a rerun show with Walter McFarland, who uh, is talking about transformation, 
Transforming Your Business and his, his latest research on organizational change should be a great uh, re-encore of a, of a show. And I want to wish everybody, including my guests, a happy, healthy, prosperous holiday season and a new year where we can all continue to live in, in our dreams together. Thanks. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, happy happy holidays, and happy Happy anniversary, Linda. Enjoy. Thank you for listening to this week's edition of I Lead, The Leadership Connection. Please join Dr. Linda Sharkey again for another show next Thursday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a successful week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 